Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, I'm going to hit you with a really big question first. And this question is about where you start if you've lost all connection and respect from your horse. So no matter, this is from Robin, no matter what she does, she's got a horse that's gone from a lovely boy to one that just runs over her and doesn't even acknowledge that she's there. He's very attached to his paddock mate. Not normally a problem, but it is getting obviously a bigger problem now. Where can she start to start getting connection happening, please? Hmm. So, there's two sides, and I talk about these two sides all the time because um, that old saying, feel timing and balance. And the biggest problem, I guess, that I'm fixing or trying to help with all the time is balance in the back, not balance as in how you balance along a tightrope, but the balance of, you know, like good versus evil versus yin and yang, that sort of balance, the, balance, the scales of balance, as in how much we do one thing versus another how we look at one thing versus another thing, like another balance that, that uh, uh, I'm trying to explain to people a lot is, you know, how you, you spent, you've got 80% of yourself focused on your horse, 20% on you. Your horse is not going to follow a 20% leader, is it? So that balances out, you know, so lots of things like that. So, so what I'm going to talk about is the listening part of it. So the listening part is, is, is basically um, listening is our responsibility. Uh, I say it, it's our responsibility, not a training method, though it's going to help in our training. Listening is just a requirement. It is a requirement. Now, it's how we listen to some a horse that gets us to learn from our horse, learn what it needs, learn learn its needs in education, um, uh, learn its, you know, how to adapt a little bit around our horses. But at the same time, if we listen too much, will over adapt for our horses and they'll under adapt for our human environment and, and education. So we have to be careful that we're not over adapting and because under adapting, if that's a word, our horses um, is basically possibly setting them up for uh, not having the tools to cope in, in a human world. So and that's what I'm seeing a lot is um, I see people that are really good at knowing, you know, their horse's emotions, where they're going up or coming down, uh, you know, things like that, and they, they listen every time the horse sort of talks to them, and and, and, that's, and it's good, but at the same time, all the, all the worry that we're tipping out of our horses is not worry that they've tipped out themselves. And that's why getting them to adapt and strengthen and become more confident is actually giving them tools. So why I'm going into that is because when you go out in the paddock, a lot of horses are sometimes shut down because we actually didn't listen to them. They kind of started to look away and we just kind of sort of, you know, blocked them and caught them or whatever they were caught in the part, however it was. I'm not going to sort of direct anything at you to say how you've done it, just things that I've come across. Uh, you know, roped and caught, blocked in the corner and caught, just walked up to and the horse got a little nervous but we sort of didn't worry about it and we sort of chased them around for a bit till they faced up and then we caught them. All that sort of stuff is basically just going in with a lesson without listening. So if your horse is um, a bit of a sensitive horse and, you know, maybe go out in the paddock and, and stop and watch and listen and learn and when you walk up to it, work out when the connection or the, or the distaste in the mind goes or, go, you know, turns, you know, when, when you're walking up to your horse, it starts to get a kind of a hard look and look away 
anything like that, start to notice those things and maybe stop. Now don't necessarily always retreat, but just stop and watch and see what the horse does. Um, and then step away. When the horse maybe brings his thoughts back and said, oh, you didn't keep coming, that's, that's a bit unusual. And then, and then once you've done that a few times, the horse might get a little interested because you actually listened to it and you actually got a, a dialogue, a, a conversation happening. So, um, and then, then you might start to get a bit more interest. So that's part of the connection that you've got to go out and, and you're not going out expecting anything of your horse. You're just going to learn and you're going to just go out and, and, and sort of, you know, and maybe by listening to your horse and walking up and noticing those little thresholds when you hit those thresholds um, and, and, and rewarding your horse when it kind of draws its thoughts towards you a little bit and stepping back. But you're not making it do something at the moment to do that. All you're doing is walking up to it and that's pressure enough for it to maybe turn on or off. So, you know, something I say to someone, I say, I'd much rather walk up to a horse when it's looking away from me, if it's a bit of a sort of a shut out horse, if it's already looking away from me than if it's looking at me. Because there's two things a horse is going to do when you're walking up to it. It's going to look away or look to you. So if a horse is looking at you when you walk in to the paddock, the next thing it's going to do is look away. But for the horse that's already looking away, the next thing it's going to do is look towards you. So it's easier to reward a positive thing for a horse that's already looking away. Because um, it's either going to look away or away. So there's more things it can do, but with its thoughts, the direction of its thoughts, there's two ways it's going to go. Away or to you. Um, so, you know, some horses are kind of, we walk in the paddock, they're looking at us and then they look away, well, we maybe stop. But, and then if they sort of wait a little like that, looking away, and nothing's happening, well, you could step back and they might draw their thoughts back like that and they come back to you. Uh, but the problem is, is when you step forward, they might look away again and then you've got to step back to draw them back. So something I, I try and do when the horse is already looking away is when they're already looking away, I just sort of walk and I just wait and stop. I won't step back and then when they look towards me again, then I'll step back and say thank you because I'm kind of rewarding those thoughts coming towards me as much as I can. Though you didn't intrude, the in, intrude in that horse's um, bubble anymore, the bubble might be 50 metres uh, for instance, um, by keeping on walking, you still listen to it by stopping but then you reward it for doing something which is positive, which is coming back to you with its thoughts and then stepping away. Um, so, so that's sort of a way I'd be approaching the horse for a little while, that it does something positive and then I sort of um, retreat and reward a little bit opposed to retreating um, when the horse has looked away. Because you, when you retreat when the horse has looked away, you will bring it back. But it didn't do anything to get that, as in you actually made that look come back by taking space, uh, giving it space, sorry. But for wild horses, it's, it's quite healthy to just step back and just give them more space and more time to think about things. But that's a balance you've got to play yourself. How wild is your horse and how is the horse just learned a lot of bad habits from being not listened to? Because it's not that just it learnt bad habits, they had bad habits towards us, but it's just what the horse had learnt. Um, so you've got to figure out that, that, that yourself, but I would try and reward a positive change in your horse. So the other thing is I have some horses that disconnect when I catch them, and, and one of them just recently was a disconnected, two of them actually, two horses in the last two clinics that I've done, not the, um, you know, back to back nearly, one was in Victoria, one was up in Queensland, but, uh, sorry, in, in, um, in the Hunter Valley. But I, you'd go in 
without a holder with one horse and it'd be fine going with a holder and it would start to stress eat, it would look away and the other horse was a bit the same, it was just kind of dis disconnecting as soon as you walked in with the holder but this other one was a bit more nervous. Um, so anyway, one of them, I went in and I got big with the holder and I just banged the holder on my leg and I could see it just going, no, 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 I will not look. And I just stood at a distance and every time it started to stress, eat and disconnect, I just said, that's not available, that's not available. And till the horse said, and it kind of got all a bit angry and it kind of sort of almost looked like it wanted to come at me and I, I didn't move, I just stood there quietly. And then it went, oh, I, that, disconnecting is not available or I shouldn't say disconnecting I should um, say dis dissociating is not available and when that horse realized dissociating is not available it kind of turned around and looked and then I kind of walked away and the next minute it was kind of following me around quite soft and then after a few goes of that the owner then could walk up into the paddock with the holder and the horse, the horse had come up and it was fine now some people said well you just use pressure so the horse came to pressure or knew that you were going to put it under pressure um, to, to, to come to you and I said no 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 I just said the horse can't go to its old habit by dissociating once the horse realized dissociating wasn't available it connected and it went oh connecting is quite easy and then it felt good because it, 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 it had a memory from its past it was started in its past somewhere that it's carried through and, that, and it carried through its whole life because every time someone without, went out with a horse with, with a halter the horse would always dissociate so that horse dissociated and felt bad being caught for I don't know how many hundreds of times over its life. So I had to reprogram that so I could get a positive transition. Um, and then once we got the positive transition, I only did that lesson with it once and, and now it's kind of easy to catch. It goes out and it's more connected and soft because that horse had had so many bad transitions catching that it didn't know any better. Um, so that's another thing and that wasn't me listening it was me listening and going okay this horse is dissociating how can I empower it to be more confident well maybe I've just got to teach it to let go of that bad feeling by thinking away and thinking this is a bad experience so I just kept sort of putting the pressure on the uh, dis dissociation and bad feeling until the horse changed the direction of its thoughts and when it brought its thoughts to me I said that's the answer um, there was no running it around or chasing it and to draw it or anything like that. It was just saying let go of that thought. So that's another thing you want to look at with your horse when you walk up to it is, is it just a, a general dissociation that's been happening for a while and maybe you have to distract that and get the thoughts back a little. So when the thoughts go away, distract those thoughts um, until the horse realises that thinking away is not available and then it thinks towards you. But don't force it to come to you or anything like that. Just once you can walk up and the horse knows that thinking away is unavailable, you just stand there and maybe walk away, you know, look at the post, check the fencing out, you know, just be yourself, walk around your horse. When you approach it again, if it dissociates, just say dissociations, dissociating is unavailable, bring your thoughts back and then go about your business, walk towards your horse again and then after a while they'll sort of associate with you and connect with you realize that that door's closed, the, 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 the thinking away is closed, and then they'll start to get a bit interested and maybe come into the conversation a little bit, and then when they come into the conversation, you just stand there and just, you're not trying to catch them or pull them around or anything like that, you're just trying to sort of be with them. So that's something you can look into in the catching process. The first one was the listening, and, and maybe just by listening a little bit and doing a bit of approach and treat, the horse might connect with you, but some horses you have to go in and say, 
um, there is a better way and I want you to come into the conversation a little more into my conversation. Um, and with those two things then you get a sort of soft catch on your horse and from there oh, <laughs> there's so much stuff that, that, that you're doing when, you, when you're following a feel, when the horse is following the feel of a rope, is the horse connected with that rope? Does it like me if I put my hand out? You know, and so, so little things that I think you should look at when you're patting your horse, if you go to put your hand on it and it kind of hardens in the eye or just just disconnects a little and goes, oh, yeah, hey, hum, don't pat it. Because you're just smothering a horse that doesn't want you touching it. So, so give your horse more space and, and maybe every time you... Um, talk to it, put your hand out a little and, 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 and don't go into its space but let it come into the conversation so you both meet and have a conversation together and you know, be around it like that and that's that's more listening around your horse that you know, you're not just smothering it because you own it, whether you're smothering it with a rug or even when you put a holder on the horse has got to connect into that and, and be okay with it, not just turn away and just go, Oh right, I hear it, you know. So all those things are really important. Hey, and the next question, Mark, is from Ira. I'm changing the subject a little bit, but only a little bit. Um, it's about a horse that came to a clinic with you down in Victoria. And what she's found is that um, her horse has increased in confidence, but is now starting to act aggressively. So I'm going to explain a couple of situations that have happened that she's a bit worried about. So one is that when she was feeding her mare, she nearly ran over her. So she actually cantered so close to her that she had to jump out of the way. The mare then got blocked her and then turned her back to her. And uh, another on another occasion, her daughter went in to get her, um, went to go and put a halter on, and but she pinned her ears and tried to bite her daughter. She's tried working with the bubble exercise and with her respect, um, and she's tried to sort of use different noises that don't bother her at all. The flag or the rope seems to stress her, and if she does the tree, her mare falls asleep. Have you got any advice? For Ireland, please. Yeah, I know the little horse. I remember because it it's just um, and what I remember in that little pony, she was a bit of a shut out little pony that carried quite a bit of anxiety. And if you remember when I put her in long reins, out of all the horses that I might have put in long reins at that clinic, um, she was the one that kind of was worried the most. But yet she's a kid's pony that should be the one that's bomb proof. But as I say, bomb proof is really only grenade proof most of the time. Now, by the expression on the little pony and the way it was, because it was shutting out and it was frightened, um, it you had, still had fear in it. Um, it had become obedient, but all the gremlins are still inside, all those bad feelings. So when you start to listen to your horses more, when you start to sort of, you know, then be more confident around you, um, then basically more confidence is going to bring more opinion. And if, if, it's, if, it's, if there's a lifetime of bad bad feeling in there where well, you're going to have a lot of opinions come out and the horse is going to get strong. Um, some get strong and defensive, you know, the narkiness and some people, you know, you can break a bomb-proof horse like that very quickly by saying, I'm listening. That's it's as simple as that as well. You can say, I listen to you now and feel safe with me. And then all of a sudden that bomb-proof horse is not a bomb, well, sorry, as I say, they're only grenade-proof. They're not even bomb-proof because the horse still would blow up and be hard in the reins and different things like that but not as obedient and subservient in a lot of ways. Because they say, well, actually, now that you asked, I don't like this and I really don't like that. And, uh, and the hardest thing is, while the horse was nervous and obedient, I suppose, there was still no clear boundaries in there, just pressure. 
once you bring a horse out of its shell, out of that place that it was sort of in, you have to be very careful that you set very clear boundaries and show the horse complete clarity because you're still their friend, but boundaries are boundaries. Um, and that's a hard one to bring into place because there's so many things, but something I would start to do, I would walk out and I noticed the flag gets your horse more wound up. So, you, you know, you'd have to be careful, as, as you said, the horse, the flag winds your horse up. So you have to be super careful with the flag. Um, but what I, what I would be doing is just working on a clear boundary lesson and, and make a simple lesson where you just lead your horse out in an arena uh, in a safe place and start to imagine you want to maybe do it a bit before your daughter does it. Um, you just start to walk around and look for a pretend $50 that you dropped in the sand um, and walk around, stop, look around and just be super, super strong and confident in your direction and just have her on a sort of long rope, a fairly long rope, not too long, maybe two metres. Uh, don't let the rope touch on the ground and just walk around and just show her your strength and teach you, once you've done it with the pony, teach your daughter that too. To, to, that you can walk around and you're strong. I'm not going to offer too many suggestions just yet because it sounds like there's a bit going on and clarity is really important with this little one. If, if, if it's too hard to use the flag, and then, you know, there, the, what I can cope with and what I'm asking you to do is probably, you know, so I'm not going to really say use the flag if it stresses it too much if you can't recenter that horse. But go into to, to a place where, the, where there's not other horses around and stuff like that and just show her how strong you are and, and as I say I'm walking over there and when you back up um, you might back up and just your shoulders just angled towards the point of her shoulder but you're not looking at her you're just backing towards her softly and carefully very slowly and if she doesn't sort of softly yield you can you can sort of when, 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 when she's not listening you can might bang her leg or do something get her attention so she sort of bounces off a little until she sort of, sort of follows your feel everywhere she backs off your feel she follows you you know, if you get down and you play with the sand or do something, she's just standing knowing that when you make a decision, you believe in it. And that's just like an observation lesson where the horse just observes our strength. And we don't turn around and manage her like a shop, you know, like we're trying to, you know, manage her all the time. And if she goes over there on the rope, then you pull it and say, well, the end of the rope's the end of the rope. That's fair enough. Um, but you're not micromanaging her. You're just walking around showing her your strength. And I think you've both got to do that where she can feel your strength, and then you turn around and you put your hand out, she sniffs, she still feels safe with you. Um, and just show her strength. Um, now your path is your pathway, you're not pushing your pathway, you're not looking at them, staring at them and yielding them and pushing them away and being dominant, I wouldn't do that. But you will create little pathways that just gently undermine her pathway a little bit. So she goes, oh they're walking that way, I'm going to have to yield a little bit to make room for that that direction um, and you slowly increase you slowly um, uh, implement that and then increase uh, I guess the amount of push on her but not by looking at her so you might just cut across her nose a little in a straight line and you do lots of little turns and straight lines where she goes oh crikey there's a straight line there I'm gonna have to move here a little bit and go this way good and then you make another straight line and then she has to yield a little bit and then follow, follow that feel and and, and um, you just show her that when I'm thinking that direction or I'm going that direction, I believe in that direction and I'm going to commit to that direction. Even if I'm walking slowly backwards towards you, 
I'm going to keep moving and, and you might have to figure out how you're going to arrange yourself to compensate for me moving backwards. But you're not doing it as I say in an alpha horse way where you're pushing them around and stuff like that. But you're just showing them strength and you don't manage them. You just, just let them, let, you know, you just don't let the rope touch the ground. You just manage yourself and spend half an hour doing that and do that each day and get your daughter doing it until that your space is, is very tree-like and she doesn't um, think she can push it or anything like that. If she suddenly gets a little snarly, it's really hard and defensive, just do something big enough to say, let go of that, but don't attack her with your energy and, and say, get away. Just say, let go of that thought. I'm still happy and I'm still looking for my $50. I don't really care about what you were just doing there. Um, and to just take your mind off all her aggression. Don't let it spark your you know, inner demons or anything like that. Just and, and just show her strength. And um, I know it's a bit hard to follow what I'm trying to say, but it's just a, it's just like standing like a tree, but you're moving. You're constantly just moving it. And I usually move at a fairly slow pace. So the horse is moving really slow and thoughtful. Uh, and then sometimes when the horse is starting to listen, then I might speed up and say, I'm in a hurry now because I'm running late. And the horse goes, oh, what are you doing now? Oh, but I better speed up a little bit. Um, and it's a really good lesson. And I guess horses really thinking about you uh, and, and the strength of you. And um, just try that for a little while. And, and when you're in feed time and stuff like that, just around other horses, until she's a bit more educated, maybe set things up so you're not in certain other horse situations and stuff, so you're out of those situations. If you can just rearrange the way you do a few things so she doesn't feel like there's a clash around other horses, because you want to set it up as a win-win situation where you have all these little wins where she's also feeling good about herself around you. And um, yeah, do that for a bit, see what happens. Mark, the next question is from Tash and it's about trailer loading. She has brought a horse, her horse to a couple of your clinics and you've helped load him both of those times, but she's still struggling to get him on herself. So she can get him on if another person's there, um, he'll go on the float and she'll, um, he all sort of seems to cope with the float because Tash is able to go to his head and, and, um, and sort of help, help him um, sort of feel a bit better. But if she's by herself, then she has to self-load, so she has to ask him past her shoulder and generally he'll get in halfway and then he'll just back off. And if she puts more pressure on to get him to keep going, then he does tend to rear. He's had a negative experience with floating a couple of years ago. Have you got any suggestions for her to really help him just get beyond this sticky point? Okay, uh, Tasha, I think, I think the, the thing you've got to maybe address in the, before in the leading in and leading out department, he still rears, which means under, under more, um, vigorous pressure he feels trapped so you have to make a bit of vigorous pressure as you load him as in not what i mean is oh step up that ramp now like that back off quick oh quick step up good step back step up quick okay and he's like oh clocky that's a bit that's a bit bit of a bit of uh backwards and forwards there um and, and get him really soft just even putting his front feet on the float ramp before he's underneath it or anything like that oh quick can you go a little further thanks now back up until he's like really flowing with that feel and he's been put under a bit more pressure that he's that, he, that he's feeling more confident that that's a, a pathway just moving faster not a trap because sometimes we get in a rhythm ourselves on back and forward back and forward this is the floating lesson and the horse gets all the way in and all of a sudden the horse goes i've got to go backwards and go no don't and then it's a trap to them so you've got to sort of make that pathway a little bit speedier uh expect him to be on time a little more for that 
And if you feel any brace, any pullbacks in that in that speedier pathway that you're offering him through the field, then then that's where you can start to fix that. So so the pullback disappears. We're trying to get rid of the pullback. Now you don't have to do that at the float. You can do that away and find out like like um like when I go you know leading lessons as my horse follows a feel and then it rears up and I go well actually it probably follows a feel at your speed. But when you speed that feel up and say can you go a little uh, quicker with that, the horse goes oh hang on a minute that's a trap isn't it? So, so that's what you've got to look at. So do it away from the float if you have to, find any brace there, bring your horse back to the float. So it should be able to sort of move super slow and super soft at every part backwards and forwards on the float, but, but it should also be able to go up halfway in, back two steps, come forward quickly, we're in a hurry, there's a bushfire. And the horse goes, okay, I can do that. That's okay, this is just a feel going faster. And, and, and really get that working nice on your horse so that you can still go in all the way with it, uh, you're still working as if, as if you've got someone at the breaching bar, but you're just ramping it up a bit so the horse is under a bit more pressure and, you know, like a sniper, right, I'm going to let you shoot this quick, uh, shoot uh, a target every so many seconds and then, but in a week's time, I want you to shoot that, that target, but you've only got a few seconds between each target to, 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 to recite and shoot uh, until you can do it under pressure. That's the same as what we're sort of teaching our horses, better, more tools and become very, very, very good at it so they can do it under more pressure. So once your horse can do that, then you, you, you're hopefully fixing the rearing up part of it. If under pressure it can come forward and never rear up again. Then away from the float, you, how well can your horse walk past you and just keep walking a forward thought? So then if it can do that, then you get back to the float ramp, you stand on the ramp and say walk up to the chest bar. Um, now this is another thing I want you to think about, when you've asked them to walk and you haven't asked them to come back, they shouldn't come back. Okay, so that's why a good lesson might be when you're outside, go and get them to walk and then just put a little stop on them, but if they just start backing up willy-nilly, don't, don't, don't let them back up, don't let them turn around and face you, things like that. When, you, when you're doing one-line lessons, a horse shouldn't think it can always just move around and face you because when it can't move around and face you because it's in a float, well, it's going to back up to face you if it feels under pressure. So, so little things like that that you look at in the one-lining horses out in an open space is going to tell you what they're going to do in a tight space because um, they're just trying to, you know, so, so that's something to look at. If a horse can't walk out in a straight line without doing a circle and facing up, they're little things that'll make a horse back out of a horse float. So work on that. And then, um, yeah, just send your horse in, in, in the float. Um, but instead of, um, instead of um, standing at the, the breaching bar as if you're gonna do it on your own, you have to get your horse ready that you can stand at the breaching bar, send it in, do the breaching bar up and then do the ramp up. But I would maybe stand halfway up the spare bay and just lead your horse up so you can still reach it a bit and go past you up to the chest bar, stop and stand, and you, you'll be in line with its rib cage, you know, somewhere in the middle of its rib cage where the saddle would be if you're riding. Um, and then you'll say back up and go back to the chest bar, stand still. And then you will just, all you will do is next loading, as you take the horse back out, you'll be further at the back of that bay, so you, you send the horse up to the chest bar, back out, back up to the chest bar and it stands, but you might be at the hip or like like the, 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 well, the, um, well, the flank, the line of the flank. And then, once the horse can do that, you stand at the, um, where the bridging bar is, and you do the same thing. And you just slowly grade the exposure of you standing in a different spot. The horse has only got to go 
like put its shoulder past you the first time, then it's a shoulder and half its rib cage, and then its shoulder and the rest of its rib cage, and then the shoulders and the hips go past you, and it can stand in there, and you just slowly work your way out till you can sort of send your horse in, and the horse can stand here on its own. Um, but you've started halfway in there to start with, but in a half an hour or an hour could take, or a few days, the horse will go in all the way, and you can do it up at the back. Another good thing is teaching it to lead off a breaching rope too. Uh, so not to load, but just so the horse knows breaching pressure because the more the horse understands that breaching pressure. Uh, so what I do with breaching rope lessons is I back the horse and I and I'll pull up the breaching rope around its rump and it'll step and it'll go, oh, I can't push and it'll step forward. And then I'll back it into that and I'll ask that again until the horse goes, oh, I can't back through breaching pressure. And once it realises it can't back through breaching pressure, you can put the breaching bar up and when you loaded your horse, uh, you can do this when someone's helping you, back it into the breaching bar a few times and show it that it's impossible, look it's so strong, you'll never, you'll never push through it. So you just back it and, it put, and push it against it a little so it goes, oh I can't push that. And then you ask it forwards. And then you'll get to a stage that also, if your horse has one little bit of a backward thought, you can put your hand there and it realises once there's a feel there that it can't break through that feel, no matter if that feel could only be a feather, but the horse realises when there's pressure there, it could be the Hulk, though it may be only a feather feel, because the, if it, because you push it against a breaching bar and, it, and it's said, oh, I can't break that pressure, so I'm not going to try. So you're trying to show them that if your hand went there, it can't run through your hand. Um, that's just a good thing to know that you know you can sort of help them step up a little bit further, and it also teaches them not to lean their tails and rub their tails out on breaching on breaching bars, because they've learned to step forward off them. Uh, so so down the track, it's also good. But yeah, to work on that, you might get some good response in self-loading. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mark. And thank you for your questions, everyone. And we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jenny. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos, which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.